And those of you who are special guests here for this very important service at Mount Vernon Baptist Church, there's been a lot of work that's gone in over the years to get us to this point where a lot of teaching, a lot of hours put into it. So we're grateful for the then deacons and now elders and our two pastors and Robert Powell, who I don't see him here, but they put a lot of hours in it and for their families too, because that time had an impact on families over the years to get us to the point where where our leadership conforms to what scripture teaches. So we're grateful that you're here to celebrate this with us. A couple of opening announcements for you. If you've got children and you need childcare for them, out the back door and to the left, zero to three, out the back door and then down the stairs to the basement, four and five, does anybody need a kid's bulletin that they can color on? Raise your hand if you do, and we've got a, an usher who'll bring that to you. Nobody. Does anybody need, of course, you can be an adult and say you need a kid's bulletin if you want to. No. Oh, a couple over here. Anybody need a regular bulletin who didn't get one? Okay, good. On the back page, if you've got your bulletin, a couple of things that are taking place on that back page. You'll see the colored column is announcements. Take a look at those. Just to the right is what is normally that small tear-off sheet on our regular bulletins for your personal information. If we don't have your contact and personal information, we'd love to have it. We'd like to keep you apprised of what's gonna happen in the future in terms of events here at Mount Vernon Baptist Church, and hopefully you can join with us. On the back, you'll see a section for thanks as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week coming up and then here today. And there's also a section if you've got any special messages for the elders or the leadership of the church in general. Feel free to use that there. Okay, I'd like to ask you to stand with me now and listen to Paul's writing to Titus. Titus was a protege of Paul who was forming elders in churches in the island of Crete when Paul wrote Titus to him. And after I'm done, please remain standing for the singing. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, one who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. While our musicians, our singers come up this way, there is a reoccurring phenomenon in the scriptures whereby the people of God build what is called an Ebenezer. Oftentimes it's a pile of rocks or something simple. Sometimes it's an altar. All the time it has a purpose. And that purpose is to remember the goodness and power of their God. If you would hear the word of our Lord from Joshua chapter four, it says the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and they camped at the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua sit up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, 
What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that is all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Brothers and sisters, today we raise an Ebenezer. Today, we mark an important point in our church's history. God has given us men who love him and who love you. It is worthy of marking this day and reminding ourselves and our children in years to come how good the Lord has been to our church family. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. Thus far, the Lord has helped us, and we know he will continue to do so. So let us raise our voices now and sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Page two in your program. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, thou hast brought me to this place, and I know thy hand will bring me safely home by thy good grace. Jesus saw me from danger, bought me with his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, by my wandering heart to thee. Seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Oh, that day when, free from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Full of rain, but wash linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace.
church is one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord she is his new creation by spirit and the word from heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride with his own from every nation yet one o'er all the earth her charter of salvation one lord one faith one birth one holy name she blesses partakes one holy food and to she presses with every grace in mid toil and tribulation and tumult of her war she waits the consummation of peace forevermore till with the victorious shall be the church at rest yet she on earth hath union with God the three in one and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one oh happy Then the meek and lowly on high may dwell with thee. Okay, this is the time if you, when you see in your bulletin when. Uh, we're going to have testimonies from the three elders being installed. So this will give you a chance to get them to know a little bit better. And what we'll do is I'll, I'll give you some, some observations about their lives in terms of what they've done over the years and then ask them three questions that they'll respond to that will give you uh, an insight into their spiritual life as they, in the days ahead, lead us as a church. So Ron McIntyre, if you would come up. Tell you a couple of things uh, about Ron. Ron's been in Mount Vernon 58 years. <laughs> been married uh, 32 years. And been a believer for about 13 years. And Ron, how has the gospel made an impact on your life? The gospel and how to live a Christian life have been modeled in front of me my whole life. My father and grandfather and uncle were deacons in the Primitive Baptist Church. And many of you as well have been that model 
for me at one time or another. I had heard the gospel many times that all you had to do was humble yourself, repent of your sin, believe that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, that if you ask Jesus to come into your life, he will. He will put his spirit in you and adopt you into his family. And for a season of my life, that, that all just sounded too easy to me, too simple. And I didn't believe it until God opened the eyes of my heart. No bells and whistles went off and no lightning came down from above, but my life was changed forever. God has taken me places and allowed me to do things that I could have never even dreamed of. And a good example of that is I stand before you here today to be installed as an elder in one of his churches. I'm honored, humbled, overwhelmed, and blessed. And Ron, can you share a verse or verses with us that have been particularly meaningful to you? Early in my Christian walk, John 13, verses 34 and 35, had a lot of meaning to me. On the night of Jesus' betrayal, after he had washed the disciples' feet, he says this in verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If I had to pick a favorite verse from the Bible, it would come out of the passage in Romans 8 where Jesus, or the Apostle Paul talks about God's everlasting love. Romans 8:32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? This verse is my favorite, but also the most convicting to me. To me, it says that God went all in at the cross. He took his most precious possession, his son, and sacrificed him for us to give us a pathway unto himself. So anything else he gives us cannot compare to that. He's already went all in. And it convicts me because if I know he's already went all in, the question I keep asking myself is, then why am I not all in for him? And Ron, finally, what is your vision for our church and these people that you shepherd? I believe that we're already headed in the right direction. My vision for our church is that we would love and take care of each other even more and become even closer as the body of Christ. I want us to be known as a church that takes worship seriously, a church that takes the Bible seriously, a church that believes that every word in the Bible is a word breathed out by God, a church that uses the word of God to guide its doctrine, a church that does its best to follow and abide by the word of God. 
a church that doesn't try to mold the word of God to the culture, but tries to bless the culture with God's good ways. I want us to be known as the church that helps those less fortunate than ourselves. A church that people know they can come to when they need help. I want us to be the light of the world in that city set on a hill that's talked about in Matthew 5. And finally, when the people of Mount Vernon talk about our church, I want them to be able to say, that church down there on Main Street, they're all in for God. That's my vision for our church. Okay, Danny Cole. Danny's lived in Mount Vernon for something like 53 years. Married 19 years and been a believer over 40 years. Danny, how has the gospel made an impact on your life? Well, I grew up in a Christian home, came to church here regularly. So in an early age, I was taught the gospel. I knew that I needed to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I kept putting it off. Finally, one Sunday morning during children's church, which was called junior church at the time, I made the decision to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. But I just needed that extra little encouragement to do so. My brother Rodney and sister Donna, I'm proud to say they're here today, made the same decision that day. I followed their lead and will be indebted to them into eternity. Thank you. Don't get this wrong, they didn't make the decision for me. This is a decision that every person has to make for their own. This is a decision that every person has to make on their own, which I made myself there. I just needed some encouragement to do so. The way this has changed my life, though, is following Christ and growing up in the church here, I made most of my friends from within our church family. I met my wife right over here, Leona. I met her here at church as well. I've tried to live a Christian life. Even though I do stumble often, the difference now is that I know where to go and who to rely on when I need help or encouragement. I know that I can go to um, God's Word, the Bible, or go to God Himself through prayer. I can also rely on my personal family and our church family. I did have this comforting feeling before becoming a Christian to some extent, but it is to a whole new level after becoming a Christian. The difference in the level of comfort that I have now is that I know that this, word is, that this world is finite, but now I can look forward to an eternity with God himself where there will be no discomfort. And Danny, can you share a verse or verses with us that have been particularly meaningful to you in your Christian life? Yeah, well, how can you just pick one or two verses out of thousands? You know, that's, so um, especially if you looked at 2 Timothy 3.16, which says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. In other words, all Scripture is God's Word. We've been studying in Sunday school how to study the Bible, and we found out that um, all Scripture is pointing to Christ. The Old Testament is pointing forward to Christ, and the New Testament tells the story of Christ. And in the end, in Revelations, points to the future with Christ. We also found that you need to um, look at the narrative around the Scripture to really help fully understand it. So I, choose, I chose a verse that I feel our whole Christian faith is based around. So the quick narrative around my verse goes throughout the whole Bible. So we find in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
and all things were made through him. This is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. We confirm this in Genesis 1, 26 in the beginning when God says, let us make man in our image, using the word us and our. We find in Genesis 3, man sinned. We confirm that again in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Find in the Gospels where God sent his only son, Jesus, as a humble baby. We got several little babies here today, including my brand new little great niece. Proud of her. Look at the humbleness of these little babies. Jesus left the glory in the presence of God, his Father, to come to earth. We find this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7 to 8 sums us all up. It says that he humbled himself even further than being a baby, further by becoming a servant, and even further than that, to the point of death, death on a cross. We find in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, Jesus talking to his disciples on the night he was betrayed, told them, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? that I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So this short narrative, which is the gospel itself, is the context around my favorite verse, which I feel the whole gospel is centered around. Can't hardly quote this verse without getting a lump in my throat. It's one reason I chose it. The women came to the tomb of Jesus early in the morning on the third day and found it empty. And the angels asked him a question which our whole Christian faith is based upon. Luke chapter 24, 5 to 6. says, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not there, but he has risen. Remember how he told you? So we serve a God and a Savior that does what he says he'll do. So we serve a living God. That was in the beginning, Genesis 1, 26. That is preparing a place for us. And that is to come there in John 14, 3 also, where he says, I will come again. And finally, what's your vision for our church and the people you shepherd? My vision is that we, um, we continue to learn and grow together in Christ so that we can um, fulfill the great commission to go and make disciples. My goal or vision here would also be that um, we create a Christian and God-centered culture around here that is inviting to the um, unchurched of our community, and that we work together to win many in our families, our friends, and our community to Christ. And we can do this by um, praying for the lost, by inviting friends and family to church. We can create a welcoming atmosphere here. We can um, watch children so parents can come in here and listen attentively. Calling and visiting the sick or the shut-ins and those who need encouragement and teaching a God-centered gospel to our children and to our adults here. Thank you. Thank you all. Okay, and finally, Mark Lambright. Mark has been in Mount Vernon for 30 years, married, uh, now the wives I know will check out these dates and these years, I'm sure, but married for uh, 28 years and uh, a believer for 47 years. And Mark, how has the gospel made an impact on your life? Uh, the gospel made an impact on my life. I grew up also, like Danny, in a uh, family that was, I was raised in the church. Um, the struggles that this church has gone through 
over the last 10 years, the church I grew up in had gone through at that time period. So I came, I was born at the end of that. So I heard all the stories and saw the struggles from those, that generation. Um, I was saved when I was five and I was a sinner and God saved me from that. Most of my cousins have now been in prison that I grew up with. I have been spared. Quit looking. <laughs> I have been spared the anguish and the trials in life that they have put themselves in for all these gener for these decades and the struggles that they go through I have been spared from. Went off to college and growing up in a single church, I knew the Bible was preached and I had grown and went off to college and I had to find my own church. While I was in different cities for different years of college and finding that church that then a year later, before school even started, some young lady saw me and said, I'll take pity on him. <laughs> but uh, she's been a blessing in my life and an encouragement and a backbone to always stay first and foremost in the Lord, even when I had to work every Sunday to stay in the word and to come when I could until the schedules changed and I had enough seniority to work weekdays instead of weekends. So. Okay, and throughout all this time, what verse or verses have you come across that have been the most powerful or meaningful to your life? Um, let me pull out the old man glasses. When I was saved, I used John 3.16, which most five-year-olds in church learn. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But as I've gotten older, the rest of that section has meant a lot to me, even more so. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it might be clearly seen that the, his works have been carried out in God, which is through verse 21. And finally, uh, share with us, if you would, your vision for our church and the people you shepherd. Um, being an airline pilot, we keep everything on the radio very short, succinct. So I came up with four words for you because I knew the other two would be long-winded. 
<laughs> so I came up with open love and in truth. Open, you have to be open and honest with yourself and others about what you are in this life, which is nothing without Christ. Doing life together, when you live with a family, it minimizes secrets. There's nothing you can hide. They see everything. They know everything about you, which is why we need love. Love everyone. Everyone from conception to death is made in God's image. Yes, we are all sinners, and we all sin differently, but we still must love them as Christ first loved us. Even the world says these two open in love, but without the in truth, no one goes to heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the truth. This is the truth, the Bible that we can study, we can read, we have God's word. And without that, you will not know God's truth. In our weakness, God will give us the wisdom and discernment to share his love. But without Jesus, we are already condemned because he is holy. My wish for us is that we are open with those fellow Christians in our congregation. We are honest with ourselves and others about what is the sin in our, each of our lives and how to work on it and remove it from our lives and love one another in Jesus' truth because his is the only standard that has not changed. The current culture changes the definitions of words. They change the definition of what is what. God's word does not change. It never changes. It hasn't changed in thousands of years, and it won't change forever lasting. Thank you, Mark. Isn't God good? Amen. What's happening here today is special. It's, um, if you haven't picked up on it yet, there's, there's a covenant that's taking place, and we're about to, to launch into the time where we as a congregation, as, as a membership, as a covenant membership together, are going to covenant our support and, um, and love and affection for these men, and then these men will covenant their shepherding of us as well. It's a beautiful thing that's taking place. And I have the distinct honor and privilege of, um, of sort of being the voice of our congregation today, of leading you in, in your part, uh, and leading you in your part of the covenant with them. For this occasion, as I thought through that role and I thought through um, what it was that we're about to do, um, I wrote a poem. Uh, and the words, I don't know that, it, that words for a poem have ever flowed more freely um, as they were coming from God and, and flowing through my pen. Um, mainly because, well, as you heard their testimonies, the Lord's been preparing them for what they're doing all of their lives, and the Lord has been preparing myself, and I know Pastor Matt, to be able to fulfill our roles in today's covenant as well. If you look at page five as the poem, I'd like to read that now. 
It's called Shepherd of Souls, a poem written on behalf of the covenant members of Mount Vernon Baptist Church to charge the elders on the day of their installation. It says, God for all ages has called protectors of his fold, men from times of old, shepherds of souls. Moses, Samuel, David, Paul, each called God's own, gold spun from stone, shepherds of souls. And now he calls you, brother. Let goods and kindred go. Play the man, be bold, shepherd of souls. Our neighbors are perishing. Satan has them in his hold. To all gospel must be told, shepherd of souls. Pilgrim eyes grow dim. Under weight of sin they groan. Whisper to them, Christ has atoned, shepherd of souls. Sickness strikes the bodies of the young and the old. Wipe tears and give hands to hold, shepherd of souls. Your lambs come to twilight, and death dew sets cold. Hug tight and remind them of home, shepherd of souls. We know you feel unworthy. We know that you are not whole. But hear this, you are never alone, shepherd of souls. There is one who is righteous, one chief cornerstone, one who is worthy to open the scroll, Jesus Christ. Shepherd of souls. If by his grace you stand till you come before his throne, you'll hear, well done, welcome home, shepherd of souls. For your strivings have been my strivings, your tellings what I told, an instrument in the hold of the shepherd of all souls. In his presence you'll enter in to pleasures now untold, and it is there you will behold our well-shepherded souls. With one voice we call you, Will you love us so? May God's blessings on us flow. Shepherd us, shepherd us, shepherd of souls. If you would now, stand with me. Today we celebrate the installation of Danny Cole, Mark Lambright, and Ron McIntyre to serve our church as lay elders alongside staff elders Matthew Watson and myself, Curtis Mort. Together they will form our church's elder body. Their Christian commitment, loyalty, and desire to serve have been tested across time. These men have been ratified by the church at a members' meeting. A charge to the church reminds us that the congregation shares the responsibilities to be Christian servants. Member responsibilities are equipped, not ended, when elders are chosen to lead us in spiritual things. Today, we will be reminded of our responsibilities. Let us seek to support our leaders. Hebrews 13, 7 reminds, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for what would be, that would be no advantage to you. Pray for them. That a clear conscience, that we have a clear conscience, Desiring to act honorably in all things. As a best practice, overlook small interpersonal differences. Believe the best in your elders. I will say that again. Believe the best in your elders in each small issue that arises, but also hold them accountable to the gospel if any big issue arises. So I'll ask a question and you get to respond with the bull. You ready? Will you, congregation, defend sound doctrine? Will you submit to your leaders without groaning? Will you regularly remind yourself of the weight the elders undertake 
that they will give an account for how they keep watch over your souls? Will you pray for the elders? They will have a clear conscience and act honorably. Now let us remind ourselves of our responsibilities as we recite our church membership covenant together. Ready? Having been empowered by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and on the profession of our faith, having been baptized, we do now in the presence of God and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully enter into covenant with one another as one local body of Christ. Number one, we will, by God's grace, walk together in Christian love, giving and receiving admonition with meekness and affection, remember each other in prayer, aid each other in sickness and distress, cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and courtesy in speech, be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation. Number two, we will with the Holy Spirit's power seek to maintain family and personal devotions, to educate our children in the Christian faith, to seek the salvation of our extended family and acquaintances, to walk wisely in the world, to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment, to seek God's help in abstaining from all practices which bring harm to this local body or jeopardize our own or another's faith. Number three, we will work together for the continuance of a faithful evangelical ministry in this church as we sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. We will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel to all nations. Number four, we moreover agree that when we leave this church, we will, as soon as possible, unite with another church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. Church, please answer two final questions as a part of this charge. Do you, the members of Mount Vernon Baptist Church, acknowledge and publicly receive these men as elders, as gifts of Christ to this church? Will you love them? Will you pray for them in their ministry and work together with them humbly and cheerfully that by the grace of God you may accomplish the mission of the church, giving them all due honor and support in their leadership to which the Lord has called them to the glory and honor of God? You may be seated. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Thou hast brought me to this place, and I know thy hand will bring me safely home by thy good grace. It's all of divine grace, isn't it? Children of the Lord, you know it's by divine grace, don't you? These things don't just happen. This is an Ebenezer moment. You'll know a people by what they emphasize, what they celebrate. We celebrate this day, and we're so thankful. Today is about marking time. It's about counting blessings and naming them one by one. 
Give thanks as God orients us for the work ahead. Every elder installation service will matter. However, this installation is upon the founding of an elder body for this blessed church. A body is more than a board. Shepherds are more than executives. And prayers are more than programs. In this way, in this church, today is by definition unique. It's one of a kind. It's unduplicable. Today, you are a part of a unique day. And I just want to take time to welcome you and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. We're grateful. It'd be impossible for me to thank you all. As I look out, I'd, I'd, I'd leave names. But I'm humbled that you've chosen to be a part of this day. Come from out of town. Some of you are missing your church home today to join with us. We're grateful. It's just something to be a part of this. And I don't want the moment to pass us by without reflection. Mark, thanks for being our service leader today. Appreciate you and your wife and all the deacons and wives that God's blessed us with to serve as ushers and as reception hosts today. Thanks to all that's helping with the meal. You simply must stay after the service for the meal in the gym down the hall where we'll get a chance to greet you. Thanks to the Coles for the flowers and the greens for the photos. And I'm just, I'm, I'm amazed. I, I was talking to my wife about my part in his service and whether or not I would thank people by name. And then I was reminded the Apostle Paul named names in his New Testament letters. And so I'll take a cue from him and just thank a, a few people by name. Uh, can't thank everyone by name, but I have them listed there in uh, your bulletin on page eight. Ministry friends, partners, guests. Thankful to have Marshall Locke here. Take a break from his church at Keck Avenue Baptist Church in Evansville to be with us. Um, his member, Ed Collins, coordinator for Southwestern Indiana Baptist Association. You'll get to hear from them in a moment, and I'm thankful that they're here with us today. We're humbled that you would take time to, out of your busy schedule to be here. And grateful for having had Main Street Revival here in Mount Vernon for the last eight years, and the pastors have partnered together to do that. Thankful for pastoral friends in Louisville. Thankful for pastoral friends that have gone out from among us, like Corey to Orleans and others. Thankful for Evansville area churches and friends, uh, such as Westwood Church in Evansville. And we have their elder chairman, Jeff Knight, here today, who you'll get to hear from in a bit, too. And we're thankful for you taking time to be here. It means something to us that you take time to be here with us today. Our elder vows are print, that are printed in this program that we'll read from shortly, we got from Capitol Hill Baptist Church and Nine Marks Ministries out of Washington, D.C., and we're thankful for them and for their literature ministry and their positive impact on our church. And we're thankful for our missionaries that don't get to be here today because of where they're supposed to be, and they're sharing the gospel in places, and we're grateful for that. I'm thankful for effective parachurch ministries. I think of Vision for Living Ministries, and Daniel and Michelle are here, and Charles and Pam Cavanaugh, and we're thankful that you're here today. They're right up here in the second row to my left, and, and they're just great influence in, in the faith, and you'll get to hear from Brother Charles in a moment for just a little bit. I just want you to get to know some of these people today, and I hope that as we go through the lunch, you'll be able to talk to them, and I commend these men and their wives and their ministries to you. I want to thank Robert Powell, who faithfully served this church as deacon during our transition from only lay deacons to both lay elders and deacons. Uh, I know personally what an effect it takes on a family to lead God's people to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, and we thank you. 
And we thank those who've encouraged us that we've inevitably failed to list or mention. We've had an outpour of support in the form of written letters for this special day. And though I'll give copies of the letters to Ron and Danny and Mark later, I've put together a montage to share with you from eight people that have written in to us, and I'll share it with you now. First, Matt D'Amico, associate pastor at Kenwood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky, and our annual Main Street Revival leader from the keyboard, uh, the piano. He leads us beautifully over here every year. He says, Ron, Danny, and Mark, this is a great day in the life of Mount Vernon Baptist Church. The Apostle Paul says that Jesus Christ gives pastors to the church's gifts. So what a joy to know that the Lord himself is giving the gift of three godly shepherds to care for the flock, how good and kind the Lord is. At the same time, this is a sobering day. To bear the title of elder is to bear the responsibility to care for the souls of your people, a responsibility for which you will give an account before the Lord. Thankfully, you will not serve as shepherds in isolation, bearing the burden alone, but with a team of godly shepherds and under the authority of Christ, the chief shepherd. I pray that your ministry will lead to the equipping and edification of the saints in Mount Vernon to the glory of God. May you be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I do not count my life of any value nor as precious to myself, if only that I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, Acts 20, 24. Your co-laborer in the gospel, Matt D'Amico. The Wiltshires wrote to us, secondly, Ron is our neighbor and lives the life exemplary to his new position. Danny is our cousin. He is dedicated to the Lord. Brevity is the soul of wit. They said it well. Third, Danny's twin sister, Donna Allen, wrote, Dad was a deacon and a Sunday school teacher in this church. We've seen Dad spend hours studying his Sunday school lessons, and I know that you do the same. You have a servant spirit like our mom. I'm proud of you. Mom and Dad would be proud of you also. I look forward to seeing how God works in your life and the life of our church with the newly elected elders. Love, Donna. Fourth, Ron's big brother, David said, my brother takes care of those he cares about. He's real fluent in the Bible and can recite many verses to help care for others. Fifth, Mark, your daughter, Karina, wrote, my dad has shown me what it looks like to remain firm in the faith through the most difficult times. He has shown me what it looks like to dedicate your life to Christ and serve in the church. I would not be where I'm at in my walk with Christ without the spiritual influence of my dad. Sixth, Tony Apolis, pastor in Texas now, shared, you hold a special place in my family's heart. Two summers ago, during a hard time in ministry, your pastor extended an opportunity for me to have respite in Mount Vernon, of all places. He opened his home to my family while he was out of town with his, and many of you reached out and encouraged us while we were there. A pastor can get overwhelmed to the point sometimes of desperation. He can question some of the most important things. And your church stepped up and loved my family and welcomed us. And God used you to help rescue me from despair. I know that you're not a perfect church, but I want you to know how refreshing it is to know that there are churches out there who get it. Thank you. Seventh, Pastor Corey Rash of Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, Orleans, Indiana. And I'll, I'll have this binder of letters down in the Life Center for afterward if you want to thumb through it and look at it. But this is what our former associate pastor, now senior pastor at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, wrote. He said to the saints at Mount Vernon Baptist Church, I wish I could be with you. Obviously he can't. He's in the pulpit at his church this morning. I wish I could be with you. And he says, Mount Vernon Baptist will always feel like home to Andrea and Isabella and Austin, Benjamin and myself. We love the church. 
what a gift elders are to this church, and I know these men personally, and they are indeed a gift. Eighth, Pastor Josh Hammond at First Baptist Church right here in Mount Vernon shared this. He said, my dear brothers and sisters, five and a half years ago, I stood in the Evansville airport with my three young children and my wife, who at the time was seven months pregnant. After having been on the mission fields of East Asia for 14 years, I returned without a job and without a home. In the midst of a difficult transition, there was a group of friends who gathered around us and literally took us in. The men you are welcoming this morning as lay elders are some of the men who, along with you, showed such great care for my family. It was the love of the church and her leaders, those whom you are instituting this morning, who made us not only love the church, but also cherish this community. I'm so thankful to have the great honor of officially welcoming them to faithful pastoral ministry in Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon Baptist Church and her elders are desperately needed in this town. May God be greatly glorified through her elders and her members in this new season. Sincerely, Joshua and his wife Patricia, Josh, Judah, Jerusha, and Joella. Now let me just say, lay elders in the church makes a difference. Lay deacons matter, staff elders matter, but in this time we are celebrating God's goodness to grant us qualified, recognized, loved and respected lay elders. By lay, I mean it isn't their vocation, this isn't their full-time job. By elder, I mean the office of elder, the title for leadership in the New Testament. It's sometimes referred to by its function of overseer or pastor or shepherd. Like I might be referred to in another context as a coach or someone might call me a rev. Those are rightly labeled elders. These are lay elders. Kurt and I, by virtue of having been selected with the honor of full-time work in the church, our constitution insists that our staff, senior, and associate pastors be qualified to be elders as well. These, by virtue of a willingness to shepherd you on nights and weekends, days off and holidays, praying when they're at cooking suns or sabbath or flying the friendly skies. They care for us, and that's what makes today so helpful, to care for them. It's right to do it. It's a little embarrassing, but it's right to do it. It's right to put the accent in this moment, to celebrate this moment, flock. Lay elders are an uncommon blessing. They're an achievement. Lay elders, I remind most of the time, your work will go unnoticed other than by a few here and your master there. But your work is essential. And the kingdom will burst forward in our midst because of Christ's work in faithful servant shepherds of which you are a model. Perfectly, no. But intentionally, I know yes. So Ron and Mark and Dan, I would like to ask you to look at page nine in your program titled A Charge to the Elders, which reminds you of the commitment being made and the responsibilities being assumed. Today this charge will be presented as a series of thought-provoking questions asked in the presence of this congregation. Number one, do you reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior? Number two, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament to be the Word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and only infallible rule of faith and practice? Number three, do you sincerely believe the statement of faith and covenant of this church contain the true truth taught in the Holy Scripture? Number four, do you promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of the statements in the statement of faith and covenant, will you vow on your own initiative to make known to the pastor and other elders the change which has taken place in your views since your assumption of this vow? Number five, do you subscribe to the government and discipline 
of Mount Vernon Baptist Church. Number six, do you promise to submit to your fellow elders in the Lord? Number seven, have you been induced as far as you know your heart, as far as you know your own heart, to accept the office of elder from love of God and sincere desire to promote his glory in the gospel of his son? Number eight, do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise to you on that account? Number nine, will you be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as elder, whether personal or relative, private or public, and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before this congregation? And finally, number 10, are you now willing to take personal responsibility in the life of this congregation as an elder? And will you seek to oversee the ministry and resources of the church and to devote yourself to prayer, the ministry of the word and the shepherding of God's flock, relying upon the grace of God in such a way that Mount Vernon Baptist Church and the entire church of Jesus Christ will be blessed? Thank you. At this time, I want to ask four ministry partners present today to come down front and share for one minute each some encouraging word with our elder body to pass along a nugget. Congregation, part of the reason I'm asking these four men to come down is so that you'll know who they are and be able to talk with them over lunch. This is Charles Cavanaugh, Ed Collins, Marshall Locke, and Jeff Knight. If you four would come down now and stand behind me, we're going to ask you to come up one at a time and to offer a word of encouragement to our flock. Thank you. First of all, it's an honor to have been asked to be here. Matt and Kurt, thank you for the opportunity. Gentlemen, I have one verse that I want to read to you, and I also want to share with you the importance of something that you just covenanted to your congregation. The verse is out of 1 Thessalonians 5. Very familiar passage, very simple verse. Pray without ceasing. Gentlemen, one of the things that you just committed to your church, there was number 10. Congregation, I'd encourage you to look back at the charge, if you would, with me. As Matt read to you, are you now willing to take personal responsibility in the life of this congregation as an elder? Will you seek to oversee the ministry and resources of the church? And then note this next phrase, and to devote yourselves to prayer. There are going to be decisions that will have to be made that you must remain prayed up. We use that phrase regularly. We need to stay read up. We need to stay prayed up. It's important that we stay in communion with the Father. Gentlemen, I cannot encourage you enough to make sure that you are spending time daily with the Lord. My brother Ed will be here in a moment to share with you the importance of staying in his word. My job at this moment is to encourage you to make sure you are staying in constant communion with him through prayer. There is no greater joy, there is no greater gift that has been given to us than the opportunity to go to our Lord in prayer. And so I ask you not to take it for granted. I ask you to make sure that you keep it as a staple in your daily routine in order that you may do these folks the service. More importantly, that you may stay in tune with what God has called you to do. As the coordinator of Southwest Indiana Baptist. I want to welcome you as a congregation into our partnership and uh, bring greetings from 49 other churches in the eight counties around us who are working together 
to do the work of God. I am excited to be with you today. Thank again. Thank you for letting me be with you as well. Dan, you made this comment a little while ago. You said all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable. It's profitable for our own development. And it's also profitable for the development of others. And so I want to basically say something to you today that's so self-evident I shouldn't have to say it. But the reality is we live in a time when we have to be reminded of things. Read the Word of God. Study the Word of God. Know the Word of God. Abide within the Word of God. Live out the Word of God to these people and to this city and to this church. Uh, uh, Matt, it's hard, it's hard on a man to just give a pastor and an elder just a minute to speak. <laughs> it really is. Dave, Dave Terrell and I from Westwood uh, Church uh, started this journey with you. Uh, I can't remember how many years ago it was, but we came down here to meet with the leadership. So I will, uh, it's great to be here at the consummation of that. And I, I have a charge to you that's very similar to what you've heard. It's in, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, and what other people think about is that you don't struggle with sin, right? Or that you don't. We all, we all struggle with sin. We all come to the foot of the cross with just sin in our hands. So Paul says to Timothy, flee from these things, which is a love of money and other things in the world, and pursue uh, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, fight, the good fight of faith. And then he says, keep, keep the commandment and focus on the Word of God. But you can't do any of those things without prayer. And what I would encourage you is with this, E.M. Bounds has said it. John Owen probably said it way before E.M. Bounds said it. But God is not kidding when He talks about prayer. And let me just say this. A passion for prayer is caught by these people from you. And you will not be anything more than what you are except by who you are in your prayer life. I love what, I think it's Ian Bounds and maybe uh, Raven's Hill says this, who are you and who you are is no more than who you are in your private life with Jesus. And the time you spend with Him will define everything that you are and everything that this church is. So God bless you. As an assistant for three years and a pastor for 14, I faced many responsibilities. But there was none greater than the one that is on the front of your bulletin and uh, Acts chapter 20 to the Ephesian elders and the personal charge to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.16. Take heed to yourself. If you are to minister, you must first and foremost take heed to yourself. That's going to require at least three things. First, it will require initiative. That means that you cannot presume upon your own spiritual growth, nor can you put off any of the means of grace. But you must take heed to yourself. It will also require intensity. That means there's a measure of commitment and consistency that will be true of you that is not the norm. That there's required an energy of soul 
and a concentration of will that is focused upon your needs, your personal needs before the Lord. And then third, it will require inspection. That means you'll have to examine yourself. That will require insight and integrity that you will need from the Lord to examine yourself regularly that these things are so, so that you may lead the body of Christ. And so, Paul said, take heed to yourself. Do this, and he will hold you fast. Brothers Charles and Ed and Marshall and Jeff, thank you for those inspiring words and challenging words and words with gravity. We'll hold to them and reflect upon them long after this day has passed. At this time, I'd like to ask our lay elders to please stand and their wives to come and to sit in their chairs in front of them. I'd also like to ask our eight deacons to come down to the front for laying on of hands as a reflection of your voluntary submission to these elders as shepherds in your lives. Of course, I'm now going to ask as well Pastor Kurt, and these four men that have joined us today as ministry partners and guests and fellow elders to also join in the laying on of hands on these three men as we ask God's grace upon them and blessing. Finally, I want to ask you as a congregation gathered here today if you would stand with us. Would you join us in a spirit of prayer at this time? In a moment, I will lead the prayer, but first I want to read Acts chapter 20, verses 26 to 32. Listen now. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, Paul wrote to the Ephesian elders. Why? For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure... Fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Let us bow our heads and pray. Oh, Father, make these to be found guiltless, innocent. Help them to declare all your word and not to shrink back, but to speak forward. Help them to speak your word carefully to one another and to your flock. You make overseers. Lord, we don't. You do. You do so to care for the flock, not to coerce the flock. To care for your church, which you purchased with costly, precious 
blood. The blood of Jesus, without which there would be no forgiveness of sin. You bought us. May these elders cling to the cross, loving you more even when it feels like, by appearances, they're loving these less. You tell us wolves don't spare the flock. Wolves will not stop seeking to come in among the members, among the sheep. Help these shepherds to have a keen eye for wolves and protect and provide spiritually for the flock. Help these men that you have set aside to know the Bible deeply enough to sense when twisted things are being spoken, things to draw away rather than to draw in your people. And grant them attentiveness to know the condition of the flock that they must shepherd. Grant them alertness to admonish the flock. Grant them acuteness to cry with the flock. And grant them awareness to rejoice with the flock. Your word is grace to us, building us up to the inheritance among the saints. Wash us in your word. Lead us by these for that day. O oh Lord, however meager this unity may seem in the eyes of the world, we know the unity the true church experiences is the kingdom of heaven forcefully advancing. We are your army of soldiers proclaiming salvation to the captives, seeing them set free, giving freely as we have freely received, using weapons of the spirit, not fists of the flesh. Jesus won by surrendering. He asserted his agenda by, for a time, allowing himself to be bound. He resurrected to life after giving himself to die, rejected and alone. Jesus, you are not only our model servant, but you are also our substitute sacrifice. You are our Lord and our Savior. It is in your sweet name that we set these men apart to lead us in following you, Jesus. And we pray now together. And all of God's believers say together now, Amen. You all may be seated. In my emotions, I committed a gaffe. You're supposed to stay standing as we sing together. <laughs> Turn to page number 10. And let's sing together, Take My Life and Let It Be.
be seated. Let me ask the ushers to come forward, please, and this would be a good time, if you haven't done it, to go ahead and complete the contact form, tear it off, and then you'll be putting it in the offering plates. Pray with me, please. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us everything we have and made us stewards of it. Bless our offering now as we give back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask the elders and their wives to the three elders installed to come down here. If you would, probably this is a good open space. And we have some gifts to commemorate this time to give to you. You'll get a chance to see these when you get to the, uh, the reception in the Family Life Center. But I want to point out one of them is... Uh, a wonderful picture drawn by Jonathan Cruz that shows all five hands that are joined together. And that's, of course, our prayer and their prayer for the future. So thank you for that. The other one you'll see is a copy of the poem on the right and the bulletin of the installation service to remind them of uh, sometimes the angst that went into getting to this place in our church, uh, church time, but also just the great change that's taken place and will continue to take place in the future, and we thank them for that. Okay, and I will dismiss the elders, their wives, and the deacons now to head to the reception 
And if you would put those on the back right-hand corner on the display table, you'll get a chance to see those in the reception. Okay, a couple of, uh, couple of housekeeping things about the reception as they're leaving. Uh, on that table, as you go in the Family Life Center, all the way to the back, on the right side of the, uh, the head table, you'll see a table where those will be displayed. Also in front of each of those will be a nicely done blank sheet, which is an opportunity for you, if you choose, to sign your name, leave a message, whatever you want to do for each of these three elders that have been installed today. We're going to dismiss a little bit differently, but as we do, let me, uh, let me tell you, if you have children here today, you need, and you need to get them, of course, keep them with you as you go through the line. Uh, you know, oftentimes these buffets tend to be 30 kids at the head of the line, everybody else pushed to the back, so keep your kids with you. And if you need more time to walk from here to the Family Life Center, go ahead and stand up and leave now, because we're going to dismiss by rows from the back coming forward in just a minute. Okay, pray with me now for God's blessing on the rest of our time and our fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for this occasion. We believe that you have guided us to this place. We believe you've taught us and will continue teaching us. We thank you for these godly men we've installed as elders today and for our pastor elders also. We pray for your blessing on our time of fellowship and this food and all that went into it by those who prepared it so diligently. Thank you for this time that we can celebrate today. In Jesus' name, amen. Our ushers are going to start with the back, and they'll dismiss you row by row and work to the front. So please wait until they come to your row. Thank you. <laughs>